This is an audio-only version of a Then and Now video. To see the full video, search Then and Now on YouTube. Enjoy. I talk about Foucault a lot on this channel and, well, I'm going to talk about him again. Today we're going to look at a 1977 text, which I think is a succinct introduction to a part of his method, to Nietzsche's influence on him, and by proxy to the method I've been heavily influenced by, as you can see most distinctly in my modernity series, I think. The essay is Nietzsche, Genealogy and History, and in it Foucault criticises the traditional historical method and makes an argument for why a genealogical approach is important. So what is genealogy? It's a history of us, of the attitudes and dispositions we embody today, the way we approach and do things. These things often seem like they don't have a history, that they're human nature, that they're normal, eternal, unchangeable, Genealogy attempts to uncover how they've changed over time, how there are different ways of approaching them. Genealogy uncovers how they're not the way they are because they've gradually improved, say. They're not part of an inevitable linear progression through history towards some ideal teleological state. They are contingent. Genealogy often examines attitudes, beliefs, presuppositions, morality, discipline, sexuality, for example. It addresses a traditional history that assumes simple movement forward over time. It draws out, uncovers, and critically examines the origins of a specific conception of what's morally good, say, or the source of a particular way of disciplining societal criminality, or the genesis of attitudes about what it means to be a feminine woman, for example. Foucault is influenced by Nietzsche, the first person to show that morality, our ideas of what's good and bad, has a history, has changed over time. Foucault is searching for the origins of the genealogical method in Nietzsche, Nietzsche uses the German word Ursprung for origins. He uses the word when he's searching for the origins, the Ursprung, of something like religion or morality. But at the beginning of his most important text, The Genealogy of Morality, Nietzsche uses the word Herkunft. It means the same, origins, but Nietzsche clearly wants to draw a distinction between the two ways of using the word. For Foucault, Nietzsche clearly wants to problematise the idea of a single meaning to the word origin. An origin, Foucault writes, is an attempt to capture the exact essence of things, their purest possibilities, and their carefully protected identity. Finding an origin finds a primordial truth and an original identity. History, though, tells us otherwise. This is a fallacy. There are no perfect origins. Foucault writes that, examining the history of reason, he learns that it was born in an altogether reasonable fashion, from chance. Devotion to truth and the precision of scientific methods arose from the passion of scholars, their reciprocal hatred, their fanatical and unending discussions, and their spirit of competition. 
the personal conflict that slowly forged the weapons of reason. He goes on, we tend to think that this is the moment of their greatest perfection, when they emerged dazzling from the hands of a creator in the shadowless light of a first morning. Origins, he's saying, are made up of chance, passions, hatreds, fanatical and unending discussions, the spirit of competition, personal conflicts, not perfection, not from the shadowless light of a first morning. Nietzsche wrote that we wished to awaken the feeling of man's sovereignty by showing his divine birth. This path is now forbidden, since a monkey stands at the entrance. Now, Nietzsche was writing just after Darwin had published On the Origin of Species. The theological view before this supposes that everything has meaning, a plan, that origins, like the origin of man in Adam and Eve, say, make sense somehow. Now, he says, a monkey stands at the entrance. What both are saying is that any historical moment is made up of a jumble of intentions, accidents, errors, ideas, places and people, a storm. Take the history of the police, as I've done in this previous video. Rather than being part of a natural progression towards a peaceful, harmonious society, an examination of the origins of the police exposes contingencies, accidents, causes that even those involved weren't aware of. Foucault says that genealogy must account for this, to unmask the errors and accidents so that we can be aware of them. He writes, the genealogists needs history to dispel the chimeras of the origin. So Nietzsche uses three different words when he's referring to an origin. Enstehung, Herkunft and Ursprung. Excuse my German pronunciation there. Ursprung is used in a generic way to refer to an origin or its impossibility, but Herkunft and Enstehung are used in a more precise way. So how does he differentiate between them? Herkunft is used to describe descent or stock, usually when talking about race or social group. What are the origins of Englishness, for example? Foucault says that in this sense, descent attaches itself to the body. It inscribes in itself in the nervous system, in temperament, in the digestive apparatus. It appears in faulty respiration, in improper diets, in the debilitated and prostrate body of those whose ancestors committed errors. So in this sense, the herkunft of Englishness determines much about what we eat, how we respond to things. It affects our very physiology. He says, We believe, in any event, that the body obeys the exclusive laws of physiology and that it escapes the influence of history, but this too is false. The body is moulded by a great many distinct regimes. It is broken down by the rhythms of work, rest and holidays. It is poisoned by food or values, through eating habits or moral laws. It constructs resistances. The body manifests the stigmata of past experience and also gives rise to desires, failings and errors. So genealogy is meant to expose those errors, to expose a body totally imprinted by history and the process of history's destruction of the body. 
but Nietzsche also uses the word Entstachung, usually used as emergence. Entstachung is a beginning, an eruption made up of many sides, usually incomprehensible. And Entstachung is a place of such an interrelated, complex dynamic that no one can be solely responsible for it. It comes, as Foucault says, from a non-place, the interplay of competing interests. Foucault notes how there is a single drama when a new idea or event develops. The domination between people, the differences between values, the hierarchy of domination, authority, all fixed in rituals and obligations, duty. He writes, the successes of history belong to those who are capable of seizing these rules. Who is right? Who gets listened to and why? Who has the liberty to say, to do, to enforce? This, he says, is the purpose of genealogy. History becomes effective to the degree that it introduces discontinuity into our very being as it divides our emotions, dramatizes our instincts, multiplies our body and sets it against itself. Effective history deprives the self of the reassuring stability of life and nature. In other words, showing the chaotic origins of what remains in us allows us to more effectively address our issues today. So how should one be aware of the impossibilities of finding origins? Foucault outlines what he calls a historical sense. He says that historians take unusual pains to try to remove themselves from their work, to hide their grounding in a particular time and place, to obscure their preferences and their tastes. They try not to be insensitive about the most disgusting things, he says. In other words, they pretend they are valueless, non-judgmental. Unbiased. Foucault is criticizing the objective historian's position. They claim to be above history, greater than its pettiness, evil, and misfortune, able to read it from a god's eye view. The historian argues that the superlative present is the best position to view history from. From this position, historians look at history as if it's continuous, logical has origins and causes that can be described, that the truth in them is accessible and makes sense. Against this, Foucault suggests a new historical sense, one that acknowledges the complicated notion of causality and origin. Take the great man theory of history, for example. It depicts giant figures like Napoleon or Hitler who are pulling the strings, in control, the origin of a certain course in history or a set of ideas. History has also traditionally offered models for emulation, like Jesus or Caesar. Again, we must avoid this temptation, however much we respect or identify ourselves in others. It's more difficult than it sounds, though. We all have idols, even if it's not conscious. We must acknowledge the storm of plurality that went into the ideas or movements these figures represent. The future is new. We must disassociate ourselves from these figures, break free from history. The identities we inherited from history are not inevitable, not set in stone. We must acknowledge, as Nietzsche wrote, 
that we possess in oneself not an immortal soul, but many mortal ones. Foucault writes that in each of these souls, history will not discover a forgotten identity, eager to be reborn, but a complex system of distinct and multiple events, unable to be mastered by the powers of synthesis. Some of the knowledge we've inherited from this complex past must be sacrificed, acknowledge that the knowledge was the result of a will to knowledge, knowledge that wasn't simply objective, but was the result of instinct, passion, chance, the inquisitor's devotion, cruelness, subtlety, and malice too. In other words, what was, what happened, was the result of people's subjective emotions, desires, and needs. It wasn't inevitable, wasn't eternal truth, and so can be rethought, reinterpreted, and reshaped for a different future. Hey everyone, I feel very lucky to be able to say that I'm finally at the point where I can commit full time to making these videos. Um, it's a great honour to be able to do that. I absolutely love doing it. I'm going to make two or three videos a month and continue to improve the quality and the research and do a few more experiments and chats and rambles in between. But it is a time consuming job. It's a full time job and it is just me. So unfortunately, right now, Patreon is still the only way that then and now survives. So if you get any value from these videos whatsoever, then please consider pledging a dollar or two dollars on Patreon. If you pledge five dollars or ten dollars or more even, I will add your name to the credits, I will put scripts and the audio and at some point the videos out early for Patreons only. So if there's anything you'd like to see there, then please let me know. But if you can't afford that right now, then of course it's enough to just press like, subscribe, share, and remember to click that bell to be notified to new videos. Thanks so much for watching and I'll see you next time.